Hi everyone and welcome to another podcast from Firms Consulting. So as you are probably aware we are making fairly large changes to the website as we bring on board the strategy training library which is probably the largest most detailed strategy training set of videos which take you through an individual project step by step. Some of these projects are broken up into 233 steps. Some of them into a thousand steps so you can see every single part that was done and choose the parts you want to analyze. And we're launching that in a few days, right? And there are several other podcasts which talk in more detail about the changes coming. But in keeping with that theme about how to be effective as a strategy consultant in particularly corporate strategy operations and so on, um, I want to talk about some of the misunderstandings about how consultants operate. In particular, in today's podcast, I'm going to talk you through how people misunderstand what the phrase being analytic means, why they make that misunderstanding, and how we actually do things on a project. So the basis of this podcast comes from one of the screening calls that we did, that we do actually, for the um, firm's consulting coaching program. Before you join our program to either be coached as a consultant, assuming you're at McKinsey or BCG, or if you want to join our program to be trained to join McKinsey or BCG, there's a number of screening calls we hold. So anyway, in one of those screening calls, um, I met a very interesting candidate, very nice chap, who was talking me through why he felt he'd be strong as a management consultant. And he pointed out um, an article that he had read, I think it was the New York Times or Bloomberg, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, It was an interview with an ex, I think it was McKinsey partner, and that McKinsey partner pointed out that when he was going to marry his wife, uh, he built a spreadsheet listing out the pros and cons the considerations and doing this detailed analysis before he proceeded. And so the, the the candidate I was interviewing, let's assume his name was Edward, right? So Edward pointed out to me that, Michael, you know, I'd be a great fit for management consulting because everything in my life goes to that rigorous analytic process. I analyze everything that way, and he went on to show me how he spends a typical day and week applying that analytic process. And Edward was very proud of the fact that he was deeply analytic about everything. And he showed me that, you know, some of the decisions he made, the time he took to think it through and so on. And Edward believed because he was so analytic, because he was so careful in assessing every decision, he'd fit the mold of a management consultant. Now, the 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 the, the, the reality is that Edward is not going to fit the mold of a management consultant because he's too analytic. And what does too analytic mean? Well, it's a very simple process. The gist here is that as a consultant, being analytic doesn't just mean the way you analyze something. It means what you choose to analyze. And good consultants know that there are certain things that are not worth analyzing because they waste time analyzing it, and they prioritize the things they need to analyze. If you're unable to prioritize, you end up wasting a lot of time doing too much research or too much ranking and too much scoring on things that don't deserve that level of rigor, right? And I can give you some examples of this, right? I'm going to give you an example from other industries and then we'll show you how we do it in management consulting. What Edward has is the um, romanticized or Hollywood inversion of consulting. Consulting, 
um, is different from the way it's portrayed in the media, even the newspapers, right? So, so the, the journalist who wrote that piece about McKinsey partner who developed a scoring system for his wife has this view that consultants rank and score everything and we analyze everything in a lot of detail. And so he wrote a piece that played to that stereotype. It's a little bit like, um, you know, let's look at some popular shows on TV, right? The Good Wife, very popular legal show, soap opera, drama, whatever you want to call it. But I can assure you that an actual courtroom scene doesn't take place the way it's described on that show, or maybe just about any other show. But the point is that those th that show is adapted and altered to play to the stereotype we have of lawyers. There's another show called uh, The House of Lies, quite popular from what I understand. I watched one or two episodes. I don't like it. It's not because it's not about consulting. It's just, it's not my style of show. But the point is that that show plays to the stereotype of what people think consultants should do, but it's nothing like what we do. Now, when people or when applicants want to join management consulting and they develop this narrative in their head of what consultants do and how analytic we are, they get it all wrong. Consultants are very good at knowing when what not to analyze. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to show you how we do it. This is covered extensively via separate videos. So each of these steps are covered via separate videos showing you how it's actually done in the strategy training library, but I'm going to talk you through it in this podcast anyway. The first thing you do when you arrive on a project, a study, engagement, whatever you want to call it, is you've got to identify the issues, the main issues you want to tackle. So you have to prioritize the issues and you have to develop hypotheses around them. Now, when you go into a client where you know nothing about them, we don't directly build hypotheses because if you build hypotheses without a structure, your hypotheses will not be messy. So we have to build a structure, right? We have to build a structure to analyze the problems. The first thing we have to do is we have to identify the objective that we're trying to solve. What is the problem statement? What is the objective function we're trying to maximize? Once we have that objective function, we then build a decision tree of the issues that impact that objective function. That decision tree becomes our structure. So we don't memorize structures and throw it out there. I've never actually applied a standard framework in my entire life on a study. Once you build that decision tree, you continue building out the decision tree, right? So you build your first level of branches, you then prioritize those, you then build the drivers of the prioritized first level branches, you then prioritize those. So you build the drivers of the prioritize second level branches and eventually you have prioritized branches at the third level. Now again notice the prioritization concept. We're not going to build hypotheses for every branch but we're going to build hypotheses for the prioritized branches. Right? Once we have those hypotheses for the prioritized branches we then ask ourselves okay what kind of graph or what kind of test actually do I need to run to prove or disprove this hypothesis. That will give you a statement which says, I need to do a test of X and Y. And you probably have to do about three or four analyses to prove or disprove an, an hypothesis, right? For each of the analyses you have to do to prove or disprove an hypothesis, you need to convert those analyses into a graph. So plot it on an X and Y axis, right? The X and Y axis will then tell you what data you need. From the X and Y axis, you can make a list of what data you need, right? Now, just as to a timeout here, you can see that the biggest 
step we've introduced is this process of prioritizing things from the decision tree. The hypothesis doesn't actually prioritize it. The decision tree prioritizes it and we build the hypothesis on top of the decision tree. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, this sounds like different processes, they're not. The rule is when you go into a client where you know nothing about the client, which is quite frequent, you must build decision trees to isolate the issues and then you build hypotheses on the decision tree. That is a rule. It's, it's not as if this is something you need to think about applying. This is the way it's done. But the problem is that a lot of the a lot of the books that are written are written by people that I think don't have a lot of experience in consulting studies, who have a low level view, and they just focus on hypotheses, 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 but they don't actually tell you how to build it. And the problem is if you don't know how to build it, you can't actually generate good hypotheses. And the way to build good hypotheses is off a decision tree. And that's the first step of prioritizing it. When the decision tree branches are prioritized. Um, you then know where to build the hypotheses and then you focus your analysis. So you see, not everything is being analyzed. Now, that's the first step of prioritizing. The second step of prioritizing is that once you've got all these hypotheses, all the tests you want to do for the hypotheses, and you've listed all the data you need to run those tests, you then need to go through all of the data and determine which of this data you could simply make an assumption about or which of these you would simply apply as a principle in the model. Something that is an assumption can be changed in the model. Something that's a principle, you're going to make an estimate about it, but it's going to be hard-coded into your analysis. So that's the two ways we go about limiting the analysis we do in management consulting. Hypotheses of decision trees, and secondly, determining what would be an assumption and what would be a principle in the analysis. And a good management consultant doesn't analyze everything because that's one in, that's a wrong interpretation of being analytic a good management consultant is very sharp at understanding what it is he needs to analyze and what are the things he can convert into well he can just assume they can be deprioritized on the decision tree or he converts them into an assumption and a principle in the study and this is important to to think about this when you're thinking about management consulting you, you there are two steps through which we prioritize things. It's not just the hypotheses, there's a bigger there's a quite a big step that comes after that where we convert things to assumptions and principles. So when you are thinking about the work management consulting does, or management consultants do, sorry, I think you want to be of careful of falling into the trap of just thinking about how we analyze things. Because you can then just go down this horrible rabbit hole doing too much analysis as they call boiling the ocean. Some firms like using that and I think it was famous 10 years ago. But anyway, that phrase is still used by some people. It's more important to figure out what you're going to analyze. Uh, and, and a good consultant knows that the bulk of things presented before him is not going to be analyzed and is therefore able to save a substantial amount of time by deprioritizing non-essential areas that don't require substantial analytics. So think about this when you're thinking about a career in management consulting or even if you are a consultant right now. You know, a lot of young consultants fall into this trap which you need to avoid. And of course, most of this is covered in the strategy training. Well, actually all of it and more is covered in the strategy training library which we'll release in 10 to 15 days from now. If you have any questions about this, if you are a consultant and you're struggling to understand how to apply this approach, put in a comment, send any feedback, and I'll be happy to respond to it. Thank you.